0: Hey everyone, I'm joined by a mayoral candidate here in New York City, Aaron Foldenauer. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Great to be here on the
0: podcast and on your show. Awesome. Well, Aaron, I would love to hear. I, I want to hear so much about you. But first of all, who who are you? Uh, what, what's your what's your story? Well, I'm a New Yorker. I've been here in New York for
1: over 15 years. I'm from Virginia originally and after coming to New York, I've built a passion for this city. And I wanna preserve the opportunity for other people to do exactly what I did, which is to come to New York from anywhere and be successful here. I'm a lawyer by trade, but I'm a passion by the, I have a passion for the city and I'm working now full-time to make a difference.
0: I love it, I love it. So you moved here 15 years ago? And what? Go
1: ahead. Yeah, came here 15 years ago. Uh, as I said, I'm from Virginia, and I went to law school in Virginia. Okay. Never thought I would come to New York, but I started doing really well in law school. And people said, Aaron, practice law for a couple of years in New York. And I said, OK. And I fell in love with the city. Okay. And now 15 years later, I'm running for mayor. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about those first uh, 15 years ago when you moved here, what what initially brought you here? What, what neighborhood did you move into? What was that process for you move, moving into New York City? The process of moving
1: into New York City, if you're not from here, is very different, right? Because New York City is different from most of the country. Yep. I grew up driving. I started, I got a driver's license when I was 16, and every, everything you do is in a car, And then you move to New York City and you realize you actually have to carry your groceries. Now there's grocery (laughs) delivery, of course. Um, So I remember being shocked. But then you start realizing how much more environmentally friendly it can be to live in a place like New York. And once you get used to it, then you might never go back. Uh, Obviously, space is a constraint in New York City, but you learn also to have um, more with less. Minimalism, it's a new thing now. Yep. And um, I've gotten used to having more with less. I've lived in the same apartment here in lower Manhattan, three blocks south of World Trade Center for the entire duration
0: of my stay here, 15 wow. years. Wow. And, and I love it. And what, so 15 years in the city, when would you say you would call New York City home? How long did it take you that you were living here that <laughs> New York City's home? It felt like
1: home after a couple of years, but I think that most New Yorkers will agree once you've been here 10 years, yes. once you're into double di- digits, you've checked off a decade,
0: okay. then you're officially a New Yorker at that point. Okay. okay. We're at we're six years. So I've got four more years, and, and then I'll get my, my notch in the belt. Uh, I can We can call ourselves. Well, New once Yorker.
1: I become mayor January 1st, 2022, I'll give you a key to the city, Nils. I love
0: it. I love yes. it. I appreciate it, Aaron. Well let's let's talk about your how you what, what led to you wanting to run for mayor of New York City. What was that like where where did the idea come from what was what stirred in you to want to take this step? So a lot of
1: people say that politics is broken on a nationwide level and it that applies whether you like Trump or whether you don't. You just see how broken our leadership is. Yes. But more importantly than that there's an old saying that all politics is local. And if you start peeling the onion skin and really digging deep into why real change is so difficult, you'd be shocked. And I'm a Democrat. The city of New York is run by Democrats. We have 51 council members. Almost all of them are Democrats. Hmm. And I like that. However, I speak in front of rooms full of Democrats day in, day out, at least pre-pandemic. Now it's via Zoom, of course. But when I speak in front of rooms full of Democrats and I say, are you happy with the way the city is run? If so, raise your hand. No one's hand goes up. And these are rooms full of progressive Democrats who actually care. So if you have a city that's run by Democrats and then you talk to Democratic activists and you can't find hardly anyone who's happy with the way the city's run, then you realize that politics is broken. Yeah. And so if you're going to fix it, then good people need to stand up and throw their hat in the ring.
0: Yeah. And, and so what is, was there, or are there, as you, as you look at what's broken about New York City, what are kind of the top two to three things that come to mind uh, that you would say, this is really broken. We've got to pay, pay attention to these things. Well, our most pressing problem right now is
1: the impact of the pandemic. And if you think about it, where I sit here in Manhattan and it just doesn't affect Manhattan, it affects jobs across all all five boroughs. And that is, we have two big businesses in New York City. One is tourism. Tourism brings in billions of dollars a year in tax revenue and many more billions in just revenue for small businesses and jobs. Tourism is basically zero right now in the city. The second big business of city is all of our great office buildings. Most people don't know that in normal times, 1.5 million people come into Midtown Manhattan every day, whether that's to work or whether that's to see a Broadway show or otherwise. Now, how many people are coming into Midtown every day? Maybe 150,000 people a day. Now, of course, the real estate companies lose money, right? right? Now, they'll be fined, but it also affects the whole ecosystem. Yes. It affects the local shoe shine guy, the local barista. It yes. affects funding for the MTA, our subways and trains. Yes. So we've been devastated by this pandemic. When yes. it hit, people said, oh, when will we get back to normal? And people thought it would be a matter of months. And now- here we are, January 2021, when we're uh, f- filming this episode, yep. and w- who knows when we're going to get back to normal and what even that normal will
0: look like. Yeah, yeah. So the pandemic, we've got to address these issues. What, 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 what are maybe, uh, you know, what, what are the solutions uh, that you have in mind that are, that are going to help us turn this corner?
1: Well, I was the only candidate for mayor in August of 2020 who stood up and said, listen, we have to allow our restaurants to have an opportunity to reopen indoor dining safely. Uh And Nils, this is when we had a COVID positivity rate of around 1% for several Uh months. Indoor dining was open in the rest of the state of New York. It was closed in New York City for almost no reason. So I stood up, I advocated for the reopening of indoor dining, I fought for that. And weeks later, Governor Cuomo caved and allowed indoor dining to reopen. And now, unfortunately, indoor dining's closed again. And this is even after all of the testing and tracing that we've done yeah. shows that less than 2% of all COVID cases are tracked back to actually indoor dining. Yeah. So we need to get the economy moving again. You know, our waiters, our waitresses, our chefs, our business owners, they don't want an unemployment check. They want to serve. So if you ask yourself, why do people pay thousands upon thousands of dollars each month to live in New York City? It's because of the culture here. It's because of our restaurants. And that's one thing we can do is get our cultural aspects of our city moving again. And finally, Governor Cuomo, just in his State of the Union address, joined me earlier this week and said, you know what, we can't afford to keep our economy closed forever, yeah. until everyone's vaccinated, because that's going to take some time. In fact, as we're sitting here today filming this episode, we are finding out that we're running out of vaccines last week, next week. Yeah. So we have a real crisis on our hands here. We also have to adapt to the new work at home trends. And yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking about that, you know, as you ask oh. next questions, because we have to adapt to whatever the new normal is.
0: Yeah, well, and and there's there are so many aspects of, and I you know I'm an interesting. I used to work from home because our kids are homeschooling. My wife made me go get an office uh, because we could, you know, we were having to juggle this new normal in this season. And so it, there are so many layers to the effects of the pandemic. Uh, as a parent, though, uh, of I've got a third grader and a fifth grader, we see the brokenness of the education system. I think that um, there are, people thought we were crazy to raise kids here in New York city prior to the pandemic. Uh, we, we love the city. We love the culture to your point. It, it, what, what we love the most about the city is the culture, the diversity, the energy that, that really comes from the culture in the city. Uh, I, I'm curious though, we've seen about half our friends with kids leave uh, the city in the season and most of them probably aren't coming back. What, what do you see in the education system uh, that, just from a reform standpoint, um, that, that you, you know, wh- where, where would you see that going uh, in the future? I mean,
1: you're right. Our school system is broken. We're teaching to the test, and yep. we're not empowering our school teachers. Yep. So we're coddling our children instead of actually giving them a chance to learn and develop those critical thinking skills. And the data bears out your question, Niels. Yep. Only 30, there's basic standards to be considered to be college ready once one graduates from high school. And even under that low bar, only 38% of our high school graduates in New York City public schools actually are prepared for college. So it's an outrage when you think about it. And our politicians, they trumpet, they say, oh, graduation rates are up. Well, really, we're just pushing people through this system. It's not because the system's getting better. It's just because we're lowering the standards. Yeah. So that's outrageous. So one of my key platform planks, and most candidates will not touch this with a 10-foot pole. I am coming out. I have come out. I'm in support of charter schools. Yeah. We need more innovation in our school system. Yeah. And most people don't. When you think of a charter schools, most people think, oh, that's for rich kids. Rich kids. No, a lot of our charter school systems are actually in Underserved communities yes. with innovative curricula yep. serving the kids who need it the most. And if you give parents a choice as to where they will send their kids to school, yep. then that will create more competition within the school system. Yeah. We've also done some stupid things. You know, we've been testing kids when they're three and four years old to determine whether they're gifted. And so basically, you have parents sending their three-year-olds to Kaplan or some other tutoring service to teach a three-year-old what a trapezoid is. Now, that's a total waste of resources. We need to let our kids be kids, and then we need to teach them critical thinking skills rather than creating artificial competition when they're three years old.
0: Yes, agreed. (laughs) Very much agreed. (laughs) Uh, well, let's talk about office space. I, I think it's a fascinating. Uh, you know, I've been a. I used to do co working quite a bit. WeWork was the number one real estate holder prior to uh the pandemic. I, who knows what, what's going to happen to a lot of these companies? Uh, but we got a lot of empty buildings here in the city, which has never been the case uh, since we've lived here. Uh, what what do you what do you see? And, and probably this work from home thing is going to continue. What do you see happening with a lot of this real estate and and you know, what What do you do from a, a, an initiative standpoint as mayor? Right. Well, as the next mayor, I'm going to enact
1: incentives to encourage people to come back. Yes. As you know, Nils, over 100,000 people have left our city. And yes. that's a big part of our tax base right there. We yes. need our taxpayers to be here. Yes. And you're right. There's going to be a lot of in, There's going to be a, some empty office space. I do believe that people will run back to the offices as soon as they can. because people are sick of being at home. But that being said, it might well be that 10, 20% of people who used to go to the office every day will start working from home. So what do we do? I want to enact incentives, tax incentives to encourage real estate developers to convert empty office space into affordable housing. So Mm -hmm. in fact, the building that I'm sitting in right now, my apartment where I've lived for 15 years, Okay. was an office building on September 11th hmm. and New York state enacted a program called 421G which issued tax benefits to landlords to convert office buildings that were not going to be occupied into residential units and in return the landlords were required were required to offer rent stabilized housing for a period right. of time right. i think that's a perfect program that we can put in place in Midtown, for example. Yep. As you know, Nils, millennials love walking to work. And it's yep. one of the great things about, uh, about New York is that you can walk to work here. So what if we convert Midtown into a vibrant residential and business community? Mm-hmm. And that's really what Lower Manhattan was transformed into. Before 9-11, Lower Manhattan was basically all office buildings including the, the very space I'm sitting in right now. Yep. But now the residential population has doubled in the last 10 years in lower Manhattan. Yeah. And we actually have a really cool live, work community down here. And if we do that in other parts of Manhattan, including Midtown, then that'll encourage people to come back and it'll bring our tax base. It'll increase our tax base uh, for future generations here. Yeah. in
0: the city. Oh, right. I, I love that. I love that. I, I read an article recently that talked about one of the reasons kids love college is because you don't have to have a car. It's, everything's walkable. There's a joy to the walkability of New York city. We, we have been without a car for many years. we got one during the pandemic just so we could get out of the city a little bit. Is that Right. Uh, but, but I'm ready to get rid of it again. I mean, I, I, we do like the flexibility and freedom that we have in this season, but uh, it's, it's a unique season uh, that, that we live in. And I think that getting back to riding the subway regularly and, and and the walkability and um, we we get excited about the future of New York city and and getting back to uh, a a new normal. Uh, I think we'll never have the same normal and hopefully a better uh, new normal than what was as you dream about the future uh, of New York city. What do you dream about? What do you see maybe four or five years from now? You have your mayor and uh, as things start developing, what, what, what's, what's the dream ahead When, when you know that we're winning as a city?
1: Well, you know, we have to reinvent our way of life here because the previous normal before the pandemic isn't going to come back. And we can use the pandemic as an opportunity to make changes on how we live. So I ran for city council here in lower Manhattan in 2017. And in that race, I became known as the environmental advocate. Hmm. And when I think of the environment, I think of that issue very broadly. That's healthy eating. Yeah. It's transportation, it's how we live, it's our carbon footprint. Yeah. And you know, Nils, a lot of people think the environment, when they think hear the environment, they say, oh, that's the EPA down in Washington, DC. Yeah. No, there are things we can do in the city to change the way we live to improve the environment. Hmm. So that's what I'm looking to do. So one of the things that's been implemented in a lot of European cities, including London, are low emission zones. And so London, for example, has ultra low emission zones where basically electric cars are allowed and then low emission zones where only small vehicles and hybrids are allowed. I would work on implementing the same system here Hmm. in New York City where I designate certain zones and Manhattan would be a perfect place to put in ultra low emission zones where we gradually convert to electric. We don't need gas guzzling cars on our streets. We need to take back our streets. And if we take back our streets, then more people are going to want to come to New York. More businesses will open and more people will want to visit New York and we'll be better than ever. I also want to implement right away electric vehicle lanes. We'll have lanes designated for electric vehicles only. It'll encourage people to buy electric cars, and people will get around the city faster and without uh, the externality of pollution that our gas guzzlers now impose on our society. And also I think we do need to talk about healthy eating. Yeah. One of the unfortunate things about the pandemic is that our leaders should have used it as an opportunity to tell people to get healthy. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, eat, people should eat healthier. People should exercise more, get outside, get fresh air. Instead, what happened? You know, there was the quarantine weight that people gained. Chocolate sales went up 20%. And I like chocolate, but chocolate sales went up. Alcohol sales went up 20%. We need to get healthy. So as far as a real policy to implement, one of my marquee proposals is to ban unhealthy eateries in government controlled buildings. So if you have a government-controlled building where you have unhealthy food, yep. um, then the government is actively participating in the diabetes, the obesity epidemics that we have in our society today. So we need to encourage
0: healthy eating and rethink the way we live. Yes. When I, I think the schools would be a great place to start as well, uh feeding our kids and, and, and only giving them healthy options uh, in, in the school. Yeah, if you if you watch documentaries about how uh, how school cafeterias
1: work in say France, yeah. you have the same amount of staff there as you would have in a school kitchen here in the United States. But those staff they actually buy fresh vegetables, okay. they buy fresh ingredients, and cook simple, healthy meals for ch- for their children. Yeah. What do we do here in America? big the big farm industries they they create frozen pizzas yep. fish nuggets and canned fruit yep and then the cafeteria workers simply open the cans of fruit they reheat the
0: pizza yep.
1: and that's what we're feeding our kids it's an outrage when you think about it
0: yeah it, it, it is and and, it, and i think from an efficiency standpoint, it's understandable. But from a health standpoint, it's, it's really, uh, I, I think we can do better. And, and so it's that's as a parent, that's, that's definitely encouraging to hear. I'd love to know, is, as you have fallen in love with New York City, uh, if there's one thing that you'd say, I love this more than anything else. This is why I love New York City. Or I love this more than anything else in New York City. What would that be? It's a hard question to answer, but if I
1: had to think, I would say it's the people. It's the diversity here. And it's one of the things I miss now as well, because lower Manhattan where I live, it's so empty, right? Cause normally yep. the streets are bustling yep. with office workers and tourists, people from around the world, people who live here, people who've come to visit. And now I walk outside and the streets are empty. So it, yep. it's, it's, it's sad to see, Um, On one hand it's necessary, on on the other hand, you know, we could do better. So, but I love the people here and and just all the people you can meet and all the things you can learn on a daily basis. There's really nothing like it. And I wanna bring the city back to normal, but not just that, we can improve. We had a lot of problems before the pandemic, which weren't addressed, right? Our homelessness crisis, our transit crisis, and now we actually have the opportunity to sort of re-examine how government works and make sure it works for the people and not just to benefit the fat cats at City Hall.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, and I, you and I are in agreement. It's, it is it is the people of this city that are so beautiful and the diversity of people. I, one of the things that when we fell in love and it was kind of one of those moments where we're like, this is our home and this is where we're raising our kids it's, our, our daughter, when she was in kindergarten, it was her birthday, and they sang happy birthday, and the teacher said, if anybody can sing in in, their, in another language uh, from where they're from, uh, you know, sing that language, and there are six different languages uh, of kids that were from Japan, and, and that were from Germany, and that were from different regions of the world, and, and that's, that diversity was coming together in that classroom, and that's what she is growing up in, um, and, and I think I have learned so much uh, being here of the diversity of people that, that I inter- interact with, meeting you, talking in here your story uh, of this this city is such a beautiful, beautiful melting pot of so many cultures coming together. And, and I love sitting on the subway and you've got somebody from very different backgrounds just, you know, coexisting in, in such a beautiful way. Let's talk about the birds a little bit uh, and, and I'd love for you and, and kind of Get you thinking about it, is what do you love the most about each borough uh, because they're all so unique uh, in, in different ways and so many people think of new york city outside of new york city as manhattan uh, but new york city is so much more than manhattan but let's start with manhattan because that's where you and i uh, are both uh manhattanites and so what uh what would you say you love the most about manhattan
1: well i love my neighborhood so i i live in lower manhattan okay. I ran for city council here in 2017 and got to know a lot of people in our community. Certainly it's a business area. It's uh, it's also an area where tourists come, whether it's to see the statue of Liberty or, or, or to visit uh, the world trade center or to see Chinatown. Right. Um, and then you also have public housing in this district as well. So it's not just uh, an area for, for the middle class or for the wealthy. We have uh, all levels of income here in in Lower Manhattan, and, and and it's a great neighborhood. We have, we, it's very walkable, yes. uh, transit's accessible here. Um, you have both rivers, uh, okay. the Hudson River and the East River, close by to Lower Manhattan. Okay. And I can't say enough good things about my neighborhood.
0: Very good. Very, good. I'm so we're, we're on the Upper East Side. Uh, okay. We, we spend a lot of time down there uh, in Lower Manhattan, and I, I used to work out of a co-working space down there in and, and, and the, yeah, the culture of, of Lower Manhattan alone is in Wall Street. And I mean, all the diversity of stuff happening in one little, you know, uh, consolidated area is, is awesome. Let's and there's a lot of in yeah
1: there's a lot sorry to interrupt you there's a lot of history here in lower manhattan and there's a reason the grid system doesn't exist here which is because it would would have been impossible because lower manhattan uh was where the dutch first came to settle uh here so there's a lot of history and the more i'm learning new things about my neighborhood and manhattan every day
0: yeah and 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 then the history of 9-11 right there uh obviously isn't isn't a bright history, but it is, it is the beauty of, uh, of what's developed out of that and, and the community that was formed out of that. Um, okay, let's shift to the forgotten borough, uh, Staten Island. Uh, what would you, what would you say you love about Staten Island? I've spent time in Staten
1: Island. Um, it's a great area. And actually you have historic zones in, in Staten Island. There's an old settlement called Richmond Town uh, okay. that's in Staten Island. Uh, uh, you have, uh, there nice parks in Staten Island. So it's a great residential community. Yes. And, uh, and it's a nice place. You know, a lot of New Yorkers don't go there because it's a place where one generally thinks, uh, you live. Yep. Um, but, uh, but it's a great place. And the best deal in town is if you're a tourist, whenever I meet a tourist on the street, they're looking for something to do. I yep. tell them, get on the Staten Island ferry. Yep. Uh, you can get off if you want and check out the area and then come back and it's free. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Agreed.
0: Uh, great, great aspect. Uh, but similar to you, of I, I just took the ferry a few times early on and then, uh, made some friends in Staten Island. And and the more I've gotten to know, uh, the Island there, there's some really great culture and it feels like a home. Uh, it's a a unique feel for sure. Let's kind of go North a little bit to, uh, to Brooklyn. Uh, what, what would you say you love the most about Brooklyn? Well, you know,
1: lots of culture in Brooklyn. I have friends who are in Bed-Stuy, which was known as a, you know, an area where there was crime and things, but it's really turned around. You know, Brooklyn has, you know, become, you know, a place of a lot of cool arts and culture. And, uh, you know, Barkley Stadium certainly is a destination for some people. You have a lot of art, other art and culture in Brooklyn. and Prospect Park is also an amazing place. Of course, yeah. Central Park, just because it's in Manhattan, also often gets top bill- billing. Yes. But Prospect Park is an amazing place. They, they were time. actually
0: designed by the same designer. We used to live in, in uh, Park Slope. And so we, we spent a lot of time in Prospect Park when our kids were younger. And now, now Central Park is our, is our home park. Uh, one of the things that and you hear a lot in Brooklyn is gentrification. Uh, and, you, and you see a lot of neighborhoods that are changing um, and, they, and they look different feel different. There's good and bad that comes with gentrification. Um, what What's your perspective and how do you manage that tension? Uh, especially as, you know, I think the, the bad being people being pushed out of their neighborhoods they've lived in for, for their entire lives. As
1: the next mayor, what I promise is that I am not anti-development. However, we need the right kind of development. One problem that we have is that we've had so many tax subsidies for luxury condo development, and most people cannot afford them. So what I've pledged is, is to not make any tax subsidies available for luxury condos and instead dedicate tax subsidies only for low income and middle income housing. And what we need to do Instead of encouraging all the luxury condo development, and by the way, there's a glut of luxury condo developments now because of the incompetence of our politicians. So instead, what I will encourage is more construction of reasonably priced rental housing. New York City has long been a renter's town. if you compare the numbers in New York City versus the rest of the country. And that's because people come here, they stay for a period of time, and they want to move to a different apartment, or they want to go back where they're from. And that's fine. But we want to encourage people to stay here. And we want to make sure that rents are reasonable. So if we restrict our, our incentives for reasonably priced rental housing, then we can actually get a lot of new reasonably priced housing stock that doesn't result in pushing out people who've been in
0: their neighborhoods for a long period of time. Yeah, that's good. That's really insightful. It's a, it's a, it's tough. I mean, I think there's a lot of hard decisions for a mayor uh, to make. And it sounds like an incredible perspective in in how to effectively that there's so many layers that people don't realize of of the tax breaks and uh, things that, that have happened uh, from a political standpoint that, that really need, uh,
1: to be reformed right. our zoning laws are upwards of 10,000 pages long wow. and what's the point of that well it's so that real estate developers can exploit those zoning laws so we need to simplify wow. our zoning yeah. laws yeah. and and actually have reasonable sane development policies that people
0: can actually understand yeah well that's good that's good uh, so let's let's keep moving Burrows, uh Queens what's your what's your favorite uh, part of Queens or what uh, maybe not part, but what do you love the most about Queens as a borough? Well,
1: I actually spent a lot of time in Queens because there was a special election for Queensborough president in 2020. And yep. I worked on one of those campaigns yep. to help a non-establishment candidate sort yep. of get his message out across Queens. Okay. And Queens just has a great diversity of neighborhoods. I spent a lot of time in Flushing and Flushing just has an amazing Chinatown that I got to know mm. um, really well. Yeah. And, um, and so a lot of people are there. Um, there's recently been a project to even widen the sidewalks in Flushing, Flushing mm. Main Street just because so many people are there. And yeah. there's just a great number of restaurants in Flushing. Another neighborhood uh, that I love is Astoria. Yeah. Um, you have different groups of immigrants there. Of course, there's Greek communities and others. And there's also public housing in Astoria. So it's a, it's a nice mix of, of people in Astoria. There's nightlife there and also very strong local restaurants. One of my platform planks, by the way, is to encourage small businesses in our city. So wherever I see hotbeds of small businesses, I love that. Yep. One of the disadvantages as to where I live in lower Manhattan is that it's been overtaken by chain stores. Hmm. Starbucks is a fine company. Dwayne Reed is a fine company and Chipotle is a fine company. But it's not why people pay thousands of dollars per month to live here. People want to see go to their local bodegas. They want to go to a local interesting restaurant. They want to go to a cool coffee shop. So if you talk about, sir, there are many neighborhoods in Queens, like Flushing, like Astoria, have great small businesses. Another area in Queens I love is Elmhurst and Jackson Heights. Yep. Very diverse. You have uh, a large Hispanic population. You have a large Asian population. You have a large black population. All mixed together. And you can get a reasonably priced gourmet lunch for 7 or $8. That's Nothing
0: good. beats it. Uh, so Elmhurst is where I spent the most time in Queens and I think the best food in New York City is right there in Elmhurst, Queens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right. You can get gourmet food for 70 bucks um, and great. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever eaten at a similar country. I've you eaten know, Argentinian, I've eaten Venezuelan, I've eaten Thai, uh, and Indian. And it's just such, a, such an incredible mix. Uh, I'm curious your take. We recently, I guess a year ago, year and a half ago, had the drama of Amazon committing to Long Island City and then bailing on it. What's, what's your take on, on the Amazon situation? The problem with the Amazon situation was
1: it was a total surprise to everyone. You had council members who learned of the deal after the deal was already done. So if you know anything about human motivation, the goal is to get people involved at the beginning, listen, hear their input, and then do the deal and at least had you sought input before the deal was done, then there would have been buy-in even if people hadn't totally agreed. Mm-hmm. One of the problems with the Amazon deal is, is there wasn't it wasn't clear how we'd improve the transportation situation. Long Island City, where Amazon was gonna be located, uh, is served primarily by the Seven Train among others, and the Seven Train has capacity problems yep. as it is. Yep. So we sort of have to figure out the transit situation. So my position today is we actually need jobs in the city. Yes. So I'd be happy to give Jeff a call Okay. when I'm the mayor yep. and try to negotiate a new deal. Good. Um, but corporations, So a lot of corporations are leaving the city. Goldman now is looking at yep. moving more staff outside of the city. Yep. Maybe we can bring some more Amazon jobs here. So yep. I really think in order to solve the problem of bringing our tax base back to the city is that we're gonna need to bring startups to the city. We're gonna need to make New York City a hotbed of startups. Big tech, well, big tech is the past, right? Uh, Big tech exists, I think that wave has crested and now we're gonna need the next wave of startups. Hmm. So it's gonna have, we're gonna have to figure out tax incentives to bring startups here. If we actually get government out of the way and just encourage businesses to come, then I think startups will come. You yep. said you were in an office space, yep. a shared office space, and you saw the energy there, I'm sure, of entrepreneurs. Once we're open for business again, entrepreneurs will wanna come here. So yes. what we need to do is cut the red tape and encourage startups to come, and I'll think we'll have more than enough business. The yep. new way of working is in these shared office spaces, where people work unusual hours and and sort of formulate big ideas around the water cooler. And we need to encourage that to happen in our city and the startups will come. And that will be, I think, the future
0: of the city. Agreed, agreed. Well, let's, uh, well, and actually before we leave Queens, I, I wanna talk about the subway system. The, the subway system do is- it outdated um, and it's, I hear it's in incredible debt, you know, from a financial situation. Um, Now we live on the Q line. So we actually get the newest train in the the city. Um, What what do you do to fix the the MTA situation, especially the subway system? Well, with the MTA, we have to do a few things.
1: Number one, we have to be more cautious as to how we operate the system as far Mm -hmm. as physically. So during this entire pandemic, basically, with some exceptions, the Metro North train system has run at a full capacity. Hmm. Now, what does the Metro North system serve? Well, it serves commuters from Westchester who are coming into offices and guess what? Almost mm-hmm. no one's coming to offices, but yet we've continued to run the train system at basically full capacity. Mm-hmm. We actually could have trimmed costs during this pandemic without even anyone noticing mm-hmm. that costs were trimmed because people weren't taking those trains. Yep. But what did we what did Cuomo and De Blasio do but keep running those trains? And, and to say, oh, we're creating all of this debt and we must have a bailout from the feds. Well, even with the Biden administration in power next week, we're still not gonna get a full bailout. So we need to look more carefully at costs, number one. Number two, with respect to costs, we also need to look at costs more carefully as we're expanding the system and working on improvements. I'm glad you're enjoying the Second Avenue subway and we should get it done, we should finish it. But the problem is the cost per mile of the 2nd Avenue subway was like three times higher than the cost per mile to build a subway line in London or Paris. Mm-hmm. And those cities are the home of labor unions and red tape and regulation. But yet we can't seem to control our costs here. Mm-hmm. Um, there were huge boarding machines being run that require two or three people to run those machines yet because of outdated regulations you had 30 people on one machine and 27 of those people were standing around doing nothing so we need to actually take a hard look at our costs yes. and i think if we do that then we'll be much more effective in running the mta number 3 yep. and there's many things but i'll talk about yeah, number yeah. i'll Good. talk about 3 and then maybe stop and that is we need to encourage people to start taking the subway again. The air circulation rate in our subway system is actually much higher than it is in operating rooms. And 90 plus percent of people on the subway are wearing their masks. Yep. So we need to encourage people to start taking the subway. Now, one of the things that worries people, and maybe this is number four and then I'll stop. One of the things that worries people are the reports of the mentally ill on yep. the subway. Yep. and Uh, and sort of not feeling safe. So if you've ever been to Yankee Stadium or any big stadium in recent years, you'll see signs where if you have a problem, you can send a text message to a certain number and you can tell security personnel what section you're in in Yankee Stadium, what row, what seat number, and you can text and tell them what the problem is And then personnel will come and help you. So basically, it's an anonymous reporting system. So what I propose is that each subway car, there will be posted a phone number, and that would be the same throughout the system. But then there'd be a certain code for that subway car. So let's say you're in a certain subway car and there is a problem. Let's say it's a homeless person or a mentally ill person who needs help. Or let's say it's some other safety concern. Then you can privately and anonymously report that situation to the MTA and then personnel, EMTs, police, mental health workers will be strategically positioned at various points in the system. So as those reports come in, then they'll be able to quickly respond and and help whoever needs help. So that will go a long way to encouraging people to get back into the subway. And once we have more people in the subway, then it will actually encourage people to take the subway because really in New York City, we have safety in numbers. The more people you have, the more tourists you have, the more office workers you have, the more people walking around, the safer you feel. So that's why reopening the city is so important. And making people feel safe, that we can come, live, work, and have fun in New York City.
0: Yeah, uh, it's good. It's good. There's there's a lot there, uh, and there's no doubt that next mayor has a huge job. Um, right. And, and 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 that MTA is is a big part of that. You you, you touched on you know the the mental health uh, situation and homelessness was was a big focus of De Blasio's, and a lot of people would say that that's one of the things he really dropped the ball on. Um, what do you? I mean, obviously, with with the COVID situation, our homeless, you know, that was already a, a, a not a great situation is much worse. What do you What do you do about
1: homelessness? The problem with the homeless situation is that we're putting these people in hotels oh. where there there are no kitchens there, hmm. mental health services are not there, job counseling skills are not there, and so. So we're merely putting a Band-Aid on the underlying problem. And what I've always told people is that if you see a mentally ill person on the street, look at their wrist. And a lot of times you will see a hospital bracelet on that person's wrist. They were in the ER a few days ago and the ER gave them some medication and then put them back on the streets again. That's no way to solve the problem. We actually have to address the underlying concern. We, yep. also, we also have to be cognizant of where we're housing our homelessness, yep. our homeless people. Yep. They're all entitled to a home. Yep. And our, the ultimate goal should be to try to get these people on their feet and give them jobs. I think the city can create jobs. There's plenty of litter on the street. There's plenty of things for homeless people to do so we can actually give them a job and show them what it's like to work. But as far as where we're putting the homeless people, we have to keep in mind where we're putting them. So, for example, there's been some controversies on the Upper West Side where in several large hotels, uh, they've put a bunch of single homeless men. Mm -hmm. It turns out that the owners of one of those hotels was a Bill de Blasio campaign donor. And what's the hotel getting? 600, upwards of $600 per night, per room. So this de Blasio donor is getting a sweetheart deal to keep the hotel full during the pandemic. Yep. It's pay to play at its worst. Yes. And maybe that hotel, if you need to put homeless there, that's where I would put a homeless family. Let's yep. say a single mom with their child who's out of work. But if we're talking about single homeless men, then you're not doing anyone any favors plopping them there in the middle of a residential neighborhood because you can't expect these people just to merely sit in their rooms. They need to go outside and get fresh air. And where can they go to the bathroom? Where can they hang out if indoor dining is closed? Where can they eat on the Upper West Side where a lunch costs $20 a pop? So you're putting them in the wrong place. So if you're talking about single men, then you need to find places for them in industrial areas and places for them where where they can stay and where they can go out and actually get a meal for $5, where they can actually afford a meal. Because if you put them in the Upper West Side – um, where everything's expensive and there's nothing for them to do, then you're just inviting more problems. So we need to actually have a common sense solution to this and not just serve Bill de Blasio's campaign donors, i.e. the owners of these hotels, which is a pure outrage.
0: Yeah, absolutely. a lot of a lot of things there, uh, but behind the behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, let's let's keep moving uh, to the, to the last borough, the Bronx. Uh, what what do you what do you love the most about the Bronx? One of the great
1: things about the Bronx, and most people don't know this, it's actually the source of almost all of the fresh food that comes into the city. The Fulton Street Fish Market, which used to be here in lower Manhattan is now in the Bronx. And a lot of the grocery store distribution centers are in the Bronx. Uh, But unfortunately Bronx is not known as a culinary haven that it should be. You know, Brooklyn has become known more recently as a place where you can get cool eatery. So one thing I would do in the Bronx is try to celebrate The fact that it is where the freshest food is. It is the point of the greatest food freshness in all of our city. So Mm. that's important. So I would encourage more development around that in the Bronx. Obviously, the Bronx is home to Yankee Stadium, and it's also home to the Bronx View and the Botanical, the Bronx Zoo and the Botanical Gardens. So we have a lot of assets and parks in the Bronx that we need to use more. You know, unfortunately, Bronx is often known as the forgotten borough. And I think that's the place where we can rebrand the Bronx. And if I'm the next mayor, I'll rebrand the Bronx and make it better for people who live there and then encourage people to think about the Bronx as a place to live and to get fresh food, because that's where the fresh food is.
0: Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. We we love as as parents, the Bronx Zoo is the best zoo in the city. Um, but there's, there, there are a lot of just, you know, hidden gems, uh, there, there in the Bronx that, that people don't know about. I think that's great perspective. I had no idea about the, the fresh, the right. fresh food there. Um, a couple quick questions for you. Uh, and, and so these are important. Nick's or net's.
1: Oh, uh, I think just since I'm in Manhattan, I'm going to have to say the New York Knicks, although there hasn't been much to cheer for recently, (laughs) but
0: hopefully we'll turn that around. Okay. Well, then then Mets or Yankees?
1: Well, uh, my name's Aaron, so Aaron Judge with the Yankees. I'm going to have to go with the New York Yankees on that one. Okay. And then Giants or Jets? Well, uh, you know, I think, you know, I've seen more Giants games, Okay. And I've always followed the NFC East, so I'm yeah. gonna have to say the New
0: York Giants. Okay. Great, great. What, and, and as we wrap up this conversation, anything else you want to just share with, with those listening to this conversation about you, about your, your dreams and your hopes for New York City? Well, I'm a grassroots candidate.
1: and this candidacy would not be possible if it weren't for your support and the support of all your viewers out there. So that I'd encourage you to visit my website. It's aaron4nyc.com. For, in fact, if you just go to Google and type Aaron Mayor NYC in the search bar, I'm the first hit. Yes. So please go on my website and support our campaign. I'm not an establishment candidate. And you've probably heard that there are a couple of dozen now candidates in the race for mayor, and it's an open race. So no one is the favorite at this point. And I think we have a shot at this. So that's why I'm here saying what I believe in. We have an authentic message to rebuild our city. And that's why I, Aaron Foldenauer, believe that I'll be the best mayor of New York City. And I encourage you to
0: support our campaign today. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for taking the time. And we're excited to follow your journey over the next five months and hopefully the next several years as we Uh, together build the new New York City. Thank you very much, Nils. Uh, Thank you to all your viewers
1: for tuning in.